Welcome to Coach B Daily. I'm Coach B Moore. Today we're going to talk about the religious observation of Ramadan and nutrition practices during that fast. Ramadan is practiced and observed in the ninth month of the Muslim calendar, during which time Muslims all around the world fast from food and water from sunrise to sunset. Recently watching the NBA Western Conference Finals with Golden State Warriors versus the Portland Trailblazers, Enos Kanter, who was a Turkish NBA player, was featured in discussion as they talk about how he's currently observing Ramadan, which means while everyone else is playing on the floor and then they come back to the bench and they get their water or their Gatorade, he can have none because sunset doesn't happen till between 8 and 9 o'clock where he is, where the games may start at 7. So he hasn't eaten all day and hasn't had any water or other drinks all day and it is coming out to perform athletically. So how should or can he handle this? Coincidentally, I've worked with several athletes who have worked really hard all year long to improve their performance, to shed fat, to stay healthy, and always keeping the religion as number one priority for observing Ramadan. The second priority is they didn't want to give up their hard-earned gains. They didn't want to go back to whatever they were facing before. They were not as fast, not as strong, not as lean, not, you know, not as healthy. So it's been interesting. One of my athletes in particular, we worked on this two years in a row. As we were doing a lot of weightlifting and a lot of changes in his diet, we had a very unique approach, and that was we prepared for Ramadan by fasting in advance for, let's say, two weeks, a couple times to test it out. How will this feel? What adjustments do we need to make? How can we make this smoother and easier so that we can observe properly and still get your body what it takes to at least maintain what you've earned during this time? And since that time two years ago with my next guest, Donis Faruqi, he's gone on to build on the work that we've done which involves some intermittent fasting. Uh, And he has done a lot of research as he's a PhD student on uh, ketosis. And as a result of the work that we've done, the work that he's done on his own, he's been published in multiple articles in the Muslim community and in publications that cater to the Muslim community on his findings, and how he approaches nutrition during Ramadan. So I gave him a call and asked him to just give us some insight on what he's learned to date. Take a listen. I was speaking to a classroom yesterday at the University of Washington, Skyping into the classroom. And one of the students, because we're we're talking about nutrition, um, and one of the students, was he brought this whole topic and he wanted to know how can I find some balance nutritionally to not lose the gains I've made in my workouts and uh and still keep the observation first and it made me think of you like you know it's incredible that you asked that question in front of this classroom and second I know the guy you need to talk to (laughs) he's got published articles on it now which is great so um for that kid, for that 22-year-old just 
uh, tap into your brain for a minute and talk about and hear from you best practices, you know, what you've learned from the, the work we did together and what you've learned since. Okay, so a couple of things. Mm-hmm. The work we, we did together, one thing that's obviously cardinal is our goal at the very least during Ramadan is to maintain the hard-earned muscle that we already have. And to do that, in large part, we need to stay protein positive. That being said, it's very difficult to do that um, in the, well, not very difficult, but it, it, it presents some unique challenges in the context of Ramadan because of the eating windows. During our time together, I experimented with trying to use a lot of casein protein during the pre-dawn meal, the sahur meal, and that I had some success with that. But what I would tell this kid is the most meaningful thing you can do to make the Ramadan process physically more efficacious and easier, and second of all, to protect your gains, is to rethink the idea of the pre-dawn meal. If there is one innovation that I've kind of developed, it is this, that if we abstain not only from anything with carbohydrate content, but even with any, from anything with protein content, if we keep our pre-dawn meal, our sahur, composed exclusively of fats, That is essentially what is called fat fasting. The body, because fats don't provoke an insulin response, the body then does not turn on the digestive process. And therefore, it it no longer produces ravenous hunger several hours after that pre-dawn meal. And moreover, once one is in a state of ketosis, a really remarkable benefit of ketosis is that it is naturally muscle sparing. So once you actually make it to the state by deliberately... Um, uh, let me make sure I heard you right. You said in that pre-dawn meal, it's just fats, there's no protein. Hand, upping your intake of healthy fats, on the other hand, you're naturally preserving your lean muscle mass. Moreover, let me be specific in the kind of fats I am advocating. Um, I would almost call it a prerequisite to take MCT oils, medium-chain triglyceride oils. For those unfamiliar, MCT oils are a very refined extract of coconut oil that very rapidly convert into ketones in the bloodstream. Uh, Those of you who are familiar with Bulletproof Coffee, that is one of the key ingredients of Bulletproof Coffee. The Bulletproof brand calls it Brain Octane Oil. I happen to prefer the Bulletproof brand. Other companies make MCT oils as well. It's an exogenous ketone supplement that very quickly raises ketone levels in the bloodstream. In addition to that, I also advocate a tablespoon of fish oil to keep um, omega-3s high throughout the fasting period. And finally, I also take a scoop of exogenous ketone powder. The idea being we're trying to dramatically ramp up our production of ketones before the fasting day commences. Okay, so you're waking up at what time? Pre-dawn is what time? I guess three o'clock. Okay. Uh, And what kind of, what are you doing in terms of water intake at that time? Uh, I am doing three liters of water a day previously and this is where i've done a lot of fine tuning from last year i attempted to down all three liters in the pre-dawn period but that wound up being 
painstakingly uncomfortable. So I have found it to be mm. more effective to do one liter of water during the pre-dawn meal, then one liter immediately for my iftar, and then one third liter after the nighttime prayer, which is called Tarawi. And that spacing out allows me to get my hydration needs in a way that I'm still comfortable. Moreover, I also put a pinch of pink Himalayan salt in all of my water to keep my electrolytes up because fasting does very rapidly deplete electrolytes. I also take a supplement of magnesium and potassium for that reason. Okay, so now you go through the day, um, you're getting close to iftar. Tell me about iftar and how that happens and then walk me through the rest of the night food-wise and, and even if you can throw in, when is your, train, your training scheduled if you're training during the month of Ramadan? Oh, I am indeed continuing to train during the month of Ramadan, and I am continuing to make strength gains all throughout. It's been, it, it's now, we're into the second week of, um, of Ramadan, and I'm continuing to get stronger. The way I handle my training is I time it such that it is about an hour and a half before the iftar period. Then I go home, and by the time I get home, it's right before a star. That's Smart. a very efficacious time to train. As for nutrition, the first thing I do is I typically open my fast with a cup of bone broth. The reason for that is twofold. One, just because it's very good to get up your ante of collagen more broadly. Bone broth is a fantastic source of collagen. But after a long day of fasting, the digestive system is very brittle and needs something a little light to kind of prime the pump before going into more solid foods. So I begin with mm -hmm. bone broth with a splash of apple cider vinegar. And then after that, I will first hydrate and then go into my my iftar meal which is always the following it is a very very healthy serving of veg of non-starchy vegetables and a very decadent delicious protein source i deliberately in order to facilitate ketosis i select fatty cuts of meat if i'm having chicken i will have chicken thighs rather than chicken breast rather than buying extremely lean steak i will buy a ribeye for it so and so forth and another another addendum i should mention experience from last year has taught me that it's i i can't comfortably finish the totality of my meal in one sitting it's better for me to go and say prepare half of, of of the protein source that I had in mind for iftar in one sitting, then go and perform my um, evening prayers, then come back for round two. So after the second, are you eating again sometime before 3 a.m.? How are you working in sleep? What's that look like for you? I am not really eating much uh, between then and 3 a.m. I may occasionally have um, a bit of homemade chocolate just to satisfy my sweet tooth cravings sleep is a very big challenge in part because after getting up at 3 a.m and then and then going and performing the dawn prayer it's not necessarily very easy to quickly fall back asleep mm -hmm. and um i have mitigated that as best as i could in part by minimizing junk light by being very judicious and turning off anything with a screen um certainly during the pre-dawn meal period when i'm up at three in the morning the computer is not on uh when i have to look at my phone i will wear blue light blocking eyeglasses that does help right 
Excellent. Also, you've got some published articles, and I'd love for you to, if you know the name of the publications, and I'll also, I have the links, uh, or I'll have you send me the links again. I'll add those to the show notes, but how has the response been? The response has been fan- the response has been fantastic. In particular, it's just directed a lot of traffic to my Instagram account, which is um, really my experiments in real time. I created that Instagram account, Sheikh Keto, precisely to give people an opportunity to view this experiment with me as I proceed in real time. And I've gotten a lot of traffic and a lot of really inquisitive folks who I'm able to really offer a lot of good guidance to. Awesome. So it's been, it's, it's been really gratifying. You know, the, another question I had for you is very specific uh, for your circumstance, and that is you've cited some American brands that you're using um, in your process while you're overseas in Jordan. How has it been for you acquiring the parts you need, you know, the supplements and things that you need? Oh, this would have been extremely difficult had I not planned ahead. I had brought this stuff with me from trips from the U.S. And I'll be very blunt. This is going to be a far more challenging but not insurmountable process without supplements. If you don't have supplements, then the challenge is you run the risk of getting into this in-between phase, which is called the keto flu. This is basically where the body is not really metabolically used to um, using fats as a fuel source just yet. It's kind of between running on glucose versus running on fats. And that could produce a lot of discomfort. The supplements completely obviate that and allow for metabolic flexibility. So, yeah, for people who aren't based in the U.S. or the West, it's going to be challenging, but it's not insurmountable. That being said, for those folks, it's going to be even more – those folks will need to be even more judicious about their carb consumption. For instance, I partake in what's called a cyclical ketogenic diet. Once a week, I deliberately go out of my way to eat clean carbs in order to replenish my body's glycogen stores. Now, somebody who doesn't have access to supplements may not have the same immediate kind of metabolic flexibility that they can jump right back into ketosis. So that's also something to consider. Danish is a great friend. I've posted his articles for your information in the show notes, the description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed the talk. If you have any questions, I'm Coach B. Moore. Give me a call, 347-770-1433, or DM me at Coach B. Moore on Instagram or Twitter. For step-by-step guidance on getting in the best shape of your life, visit eatingforabs.com.